Welcome back in listeners to a fantastic new episode of Whisper in the Wings. I am so excited about this episode and to bring the show to you all. We have with us today the book writer and co-lyricist Annie Pulsifer and the co-lyricist and composer Alex Petty, whose upcoming show, The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends, is playing June 15th through July 16th at the Players Theater, and that's playing Thursday through Sunday. We'll have that full schedule posted. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting deadboyfriendsmusical.com or by visiting theplayerstheater.com. And with that, I just, I don't want to wait any longer. I want to bring our guests on. So Annie, Alex, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, Andrew. Happy to be here. I, I, I'm so happy you're here. I, as I mentioned when we were talking before, on our big board, as we call it, our big theater schedules, we're putting pieces in. This show was on it. And I was like, I don't know what this is about, but the name alone, I, I need to know more. And then we were reached out about your show. We got the press release and I was like, oh, absolutely. They, we have to find a way to get someone from the show on. So here you are, you have this fantastic show, The Trouble with Dead Boyfriend. It's a great musical. Why don't we start by having you, you two tell us a little bit about the show. And Annie, why don't we start with you with that? Sure. So this show was originally conceived back in 2016 when Alex and I were both at Carnegie Mellon. I was in their School of Drama graduate writing program. I guess, Alex, you weren't at Carnegie Mellon at the time. He had graduated, but he was an alum. And I just had always had this kind of obsession with YA monster literature, guilty pleasure, sort of. I knew it was bad for me. I knew it represented toxic tropes, but I loved it. And so I wanted to make a show that like explored this campy world of vampires and zombies and ghosts, but also was like a very feminist show that was like, maybe this is bad, actually. Maybe we should reject these monsters. And it started kind of from that germ. And then I got hooked up with Alex through a mutual connection and it just sort of grew and grew and became deeper and deeper and this way to explore feminism and toxic relationships and how to escape them. And it's had a lot of different iterations since then. I love all that. <laughs> it's amazing. So Alex, let me ask you now as the co-lyricist and composer, what has it been like developing this show? So it's been it's been so fun. I it's it's funny because we're we're at this big step. We're about to go off Broadway, which is so exciting. And I've been you know nostalgic and a little emo about our, you know our past and how we've gotten here. And I was like I scrolled back up through my Facebook messages to when to when Annie first reached out to me and sent me like hey. I met, you know, someone referred me to you. Here's my pitch for the show. And the pitch is exactly the same as it is now. We have the same types of dead boyfriends. We've kind of been developing it. And it's kind of been, it's kind of been a dream to work on because a lot of other musical projects I've worked on have been, you know, it takes a while to like find the story and who are the characters and where is this, you know, where is this going to end up? How does it end or anything like that? And with The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends, everything about it, I know it's good because everything about it has felt inevitable ever since that first pitch. It's like, oh, this, you know, this, you know, zombie who needs to be stitched up and needs to be taken care of, like, this is how they're going to interact and here's how their relationship is going to end. So from like a dramaturgy book standpoint, I'm like, oh yeah, we've been fine tuning it for a while, but like the bones were there from the, you know, from the first Facebook Messenger pitch that I got. So it's been so, so fun to, to work on and just keep revising and and you know it's it, like Annie said it's been around since 2016 so like 
having seen the show grow for, wow, almost like six and a half, seven years now has been super, super rewarding because I feel like we keep getting better and we keep fine tuning this message. And it's just a good ass time to work on a comedy too. Annie, back to you. I want to also ask what it's been like developing it. But before that, I want to know, where did you come up with the idea (laughs) for the story itself? Sure. I, so in addition to what I mentioned about like always kind of loving YA campy monster lit when I was younger, I took a class in college that was all about like monsters as metaphors and how most monsters represent different social taboos and how when you explore them, they're often queer coded. And as a queer woman, I'm like, I'm attracted to this. I find it dangerous and compelling, but the different ways we tell monster stories, I've always found very fascinating. And actually one of the first plays I wrote when I was in high school was like a short Twilight parody. And in some ways, like, I was like, there was something there. It was, it was kind of immature and I want to dig deeper and I don't want it just to be a parody. I want it to be more than just a riff on Twilight, but also like looking at other sort of forms of abuse. And so the way we framed it, like when I was initially conceiving it with Alex and with our sort of long-term director, Stephen Eckert, who often helps me conceive shows, is I said, I want these different boyfriends to represent different sort of tropes that young girls often are sold as like romance. And I was like, the vampire, he's like a, he's a fuck boy. He's all about the body and the physical needs and being satiated. And then I was like, oh, well, then we have a ghost who's our soft boy. He's emotional. He's possessive, literally. He just wants to be with her forever and hold his girlfriend back and keep her fixed in time. And then we have our zombie who's literally falling apart, very codependent on his girlfriend, has to be stitched back together, can't control his impulses. And just from that germ, I was like, we can have some fun, campy, crazy, zany humor, but we can also then destroy it and have them exercising these demons and these dead boyfriends and moving on to like better, brighter futures. Yes. So then building on that, what's it been like developing your work? Sure. Alex can definitely also help me with this one. It's been one of my favorite parts about playwriting and because I used to to act, I acted and thought I was going to be all about acting when I was in high school and early college, but sort of I caught the playwriting bug and was so satisfied when like an idea that I would create, I'd put it in actors' hands and they would bring much more to it than I ever thought. And they would like really help the characters develop in new and interesting ways. And that's, I think, part of why it's been so rewarding to be in this process for so long. Some of the actors we've had through multiple productions and have really shaped the characters. Some actors are new and anytime we get in a new actor, they give us a different shade of the character. And it's just like thrilling to still somehow be amused by the show and find like new meaning in it. Even though sometimes you're like, oh my God, I know this back to front. I'm so sick of it. And then you're like, no, I'm not actually like they're finding new shades of it. I, I want to jump in here with a kind of funny story about development, which is Annie mentioned at the top that we kind of like got connected through, a, you know, a mutual and we started, we, you know, we did a couple of Zoom calls because I was in Jersey and she was in Pittsburgh and we started working on it and I was like, I remember I like wrote some stuff that like, it's gone through a lot of iterations, but it's still kind of the opening number. And I remember sending it to her and being like, cause this is our first time working together. We barely knew each other. I remember sending it to Annie and being like, this is awesome. She's going to love it. She's going to think I'm the, be- you know, the best thing ever. And she's going to be like, I can't wait to write this musical with you. And then Annie came back to me with like some harsh notes that were correct. Like fair, fair hits on like what I thought was awesome, awesome, awesome. And she was like, 
you know, actually like this lyric doesn't really check out from like what we talked about with the development. I was like, oh, oh my God. Any standards are so high. And actually the, from, from, and so funny. Cause like down now we're, now we're like homies. We've been friends for like seven years, but back then we were both kind of scared of each other. Cause we would be sending each other stuff that we thought was great work. And the other one would be like, no, 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 that's good. But like, but what about this angle? And like, what about that? And I don't know if this works. And we were, we joke often, we were so scared of each other that we pumped out like a draft of a, of a 60 minute musical in like two months. And it was great because <laughs> we, we were so like scared of each other. And then like our friendship developed and we were like, oh, you were being harsh because you were nervous that I didn't have a high standard and then vice versa. So it's like so funny to look back on now, but it produced like some great work in some of those songs. Like it's kind of like our act one finale, Zombaby is basically untouched from that era. The first draft, like we changed a word or two here and there, but like the first draft of that song is in the show right now, like word for word. So it's just, it's funny how those like collaborative relationships start. I love that. Alex, if I can stick with you first on this next question, I'm wondering what is the message or thought you're hoping the audience will take away from the show? Great question. So first of all, I want everyone to have a good time. Like this is a fun musical. Like we want people like hooting and hollering throughout act two. It's, you know, it gets like very chaotic there are some exorcisms there are some battles and stuff like that so i want so i want everyone to walk away and be like damn that was a good time like that's that's message number one but we talk a lot about how this show is definitely like a little bit of like a trojan horse or like the spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down of like i i've said for a long time i want everyone you know everyone has has to have a good time but i want some of those men sitting in the audience I want them to hear a line or two from one of these like dead boyfriends that are jerks and say, oh man, I've done that before. I got to be better. And I want some of the, some of the other folks and, and, you know, outside of the gender binary, but I want everyone to like hear a line or two and be like, oh man, either like I've done that or I've fallen for that before and be able to take away from it and be like, maybe... Like maybe, maybe what I want is everybody's like fuck boy radar to get a little, a little more precise, you know, <laughs> or like the, or like the soft boy radar of like, you're not actually emotional. You're kind of just like a manipulative dick. <laughs> you know, I want everybody to like be a little more honed in on that. That's kind of the takeaway I'm hoping for. I love that. What a great idea and message. I love that. <laughs> Annie, what about you? Sure. I'm pretty lockstep in with Alex on this, that we do think it's sort of like a nice vehicle for deeper messages. And sometimes when I'm diving into the themes, I'm like, oh, but just so you know, even though it is about trauma and abuse, it is really fun. It's a really fun, dark comedy about trauma and abuse. But I would say it's been really rewarding through some of its different productions, like both at CMU and its shorter version. And it was at the NYC Feminist Theater Festival. And we did a workshop at Berkeley School of Music. And at many of those different productions, we really have had like these kind of young college students and like just barely above high school aged kids who are some of like, you know, the same age as our main characters demographic for the show, though we think everyone could like it. They come up to us and they will often be like, oh, my God, I wish I'd seen this earlier. I dated like a ghost. I'm like, not not really, but like someone who was just like that character or like, oh, my gosh, this is me and my boyfriend. And it's been kind of great to be like wow 
this is resonating with students, like with audiences in a really awesome way. I love that. That's fantastic. My final question for this first part is who do you hope have access to your show? And Annie, I want to stick with you on this first. Ideally, I hope that everyone has access because theater is frustrating sometimes with how like pricey tickets can get. And we would love as many folks who can come to see it as possible. We've been like doing some outreach to like some high school and different college groups and trying to give like group rates and other things. But as far as like who I hope has access and can see it from a like, I think the story would really benefit some type of way, or I really hope that it resonates and they enjoy it. I think it's kind of like what I said before. I love some like young adults, high school age kids, early college age kids to come see it and just feel empowered and feel like, oh yeah, I can exercise my demons. I can make good choices and find love that is not like diminishing me, but strengthening me. That's really kind of my hope. I like that. Alex, who do you hope have access to the trouble of dead boyfriends? So in addition to everyone that Annie said, I'm a classic teacher's pet and I want everyone's parents to come see it. I want everyone's parents to come see this show and be like, oh my God, my daughter is dating just the worst guy. And I can't, I can't say, you know, I can't say don't date him because that'll just push him further into the, you know, into their arms or whatever. So like, <laughs> so like I, I would be really psyched to see like, the the whole family outing to come out and be like and be like you know the parent is like nudging the daughter to the side be like hey hey he sound familiar you know <laughs> but like but seriously it's it's not to be like it's fun for the whole family but like I think it's a really good time because I think it's cathartic in that I think adults remember what it's like to be young. Everybody remembers what it's like to be in high school. It's such a like formative time in our lives and to be able to reflect back on that. And then to be able to like share that experience with their kids that are maybe coming of that age or are of that age. I think that could be like a really cool rewarding thing. second half of our show we'd love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit more on the personal side and i would love to do that want to start by asking you to what is it that inspires you what composers playwrights or shows inspire you or maybe are some of your favorites alex why don't i stick with you and start start this off with a bang Sure, I can jump in. So I sometimes feel like a little bit of a, you know, a theater kid imposter because I didn't really discover theater until college, but I grew up playing in like punk rock bands in Massachusetts and was really, I, I do still feel really inspired like by, by punk music. There's a certain like DIY rebellious spirit to that. And that's kind of like what inspires a lot of my theater work now too. Our show is very scrappy. You know, and like I said, I got to bounce from this interview to like go drive a U-Haul to pick up our set and bring it to bring it to the space and stuff. So I really, really love like punk stuff and DIY theater itself. But as far as like what shows inspired me, both at the time of like writing this and in general, definitely like Hedwig and the Angry Inch is an all time favorite for me. I saw that, I think back in like 
who whenever the Broadway run was in like 2014, I was like, oh man, like theater can also sound like this. That was mind blowing for me. Very much not the tone of the the show. Neither is like the Banksons. I love the Banksons. I think they make really, really like interesting groundbreaking work. But yeah, I would say like my first kind of like inspiration, my my first kind of like intro to theater was my freshman year of college when we were doing Urine Town. And Urine Town just like tickles a part of my soul in like a, it's just so like ridiculous and over the top and also but like really good and like in a strong you know it's a strong parody that's like really doing something and I think kind of the tone of urine town or like even a reefer madness is some is like close to the the tone that we're going for with trouble with dead boyfriends so that's somewhere on the spectrum of like punk rock Hedwig and the angry inch all the way over to like the like traditional musical theater sound like with urine town and, and reefer madness stuff like that that's really what gets me going i love that annie annie what inspires you if alex came to theater late i'm pretty much the opposite like My grandmother, I grew up in mostly like Utah, Colorado. My great grandmother founded an old timey, a theater, community theater. And when she was really poor and could never buy stage rights, she would always throw her kids in shows that she would write. And so like growing up, I was thrown in shows all the time. I love all the classic Rodgers and Hammerstein, even though I know a lot of it is very problematic, but so beautiful. And I like that they were going for things. I'd say as far as my personal aesthetics, because I was very immersed in theater and especially musical theater growing up but I realized pretty quickly that I had like a certain taste for kind of like funky darker shows like one of my first shows that I remember falling in love with when I was about six which maybe I shouldn't have watched this this young was Little Shop of Horrors like the the movie I was just like I love this this is awesome this is my favorite thing and it was just dark and twisted and funny but also moving and I think it speaks to a lot of my sensibilities. Nowadays, I also love You're in Town. That's a favorite. I adore pretty much everything that Rachel Bloom does and aspire to be as funny and cutting and like feminist and open about like the grossness of our bodies, but also celebrating them as her. So those are a lot of my influences. I love that. Have either of you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I've seen some. I mean, I try to see as much as possible. I have my TDF membership. I'm always scrapping for those cheap tickets. But some things I saw within the past couple months that I just adore. I recently saw Fat Ham, which I think is still running, though it's going to close soon. It was so good. I I always am so pleasantly surprised when I'm like, oh, another Shakespeare adaptation. And it surprised me in so many ways. I was like, oh, I genuinely enjoy this, despite it being another Shakespeare adaptation. It's fresh. It's funny. It's centering, like, this, these new great voices on this older story. Loved that. This season, I'm obsessed with Kimberly Akimbo. Also really love Parade. I haven't seen Sweeney Todd yet, but I'm going to manage to see it. But those are some things that I, I really enjoy currently. Annie, you come on over right here and sit next to me. We're BF <laughs> now. Anything from you, Alex? Def- also, we're a Kimberly Akimbo household as well. An absolute simp for Janine Tesori. She's she's got it. And Fun Home is like a favorite of all time for mine. So definitely Kimberly Akimbo. I just saw Parade last week. It was wonderful. And I have to shout out. I am going to see tomorrow night. I'm going to see Shucked and our former Trouble with Dead Boyfriend cast member Jimmy Brewer is in the ensemble. He's this is his Broadway debut show. We're so excited. We're so proud 
out of him. So everyone go see Shucked. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's great. And a brief, cute little, sorry to keep throwing cute little stories in here. So Jimmy saw, Jimmy played Zach. He played the football player in The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends. He's played it in every iteration since 2016. This is our first time doing the show without him. Shout out Jimmy Brewer. We did the show at Brooklyn Friends School last year with high schoolers. And one of the high schoolers who played Zach's counterpart, Madison, went to see Shucked and saw Jimmy after the show and went up to him and said, hey, I hope this like isn't, you know, isn't too forward. But like you were in The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends. I was also in The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends. They started chatting and they're like, oh, who'd you play? Oh, my God, you played Madison. I played Zach. And then they start doing one of their scenes together outside the theater. (laughs) And Jimmy's somehow still off book. And it was just like... Our, our director heard about it through his theater student who, who saw it and told him the story. And it just warmed my heart. It was like, oh man, intergenerational the trouble with that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh, I love that. I now want to ask you too, what's your favorite part about working in the theater? I, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but for me, my favorite moment is definitely like in the rehearsal room. I love the collaborative process, even though it can be painful and difficult. And there's, I just find it really exciting as the writer to have my work one come to life and two like change it and learn more about the script and, and the music from the actors. And I just think it really makes a process where like the sum is greater than its parts that a lot of times new jokes we find in the, in the rehearsal room or like an actor is playing a character a certain way and I'm like, oh, that is just the right way to do it. I'm gonna tweak the lines, I'm gonna base it on this actor. And I just find that thrilling, like electrifying to be in the collaborative process in the room. Yeah, I think my answer has to be similar. It's it's all about the collaborative process. And then obviously I'm the, I'm the composer, so I'm selfishly like, it's the music side of things for me where, you know, I get, I. I'm writing these songs, I'm making these demos, I'm singing all the voice parts, I'm like, you know, stretching my falsetto as high as I can go for like the soprano parts. And I, there's, there's like two experiences that I find mind blowing. For me, the mind blowing thing is like the first time I hear the actor do the whole song like straight through and I get to be like, whoa, they're making these choices. Like, this is the word that they find important. Like, it's it's always like world opening to me to have someone else interpret something as opposed to like, oh, this is how I intended it to sound on the page. And then on the flip side, one of the most joyous experiences I get is Sits Probe Day is my favorite day of any theater process, which, you know, for your listeners, in case they don't know, Sits Probe is where like the band is all there and they've rehearsed a little bit and the actors are all there. And we just like, we just sing the music with the like fully orchestrated version of the songs. And it is like so joyous to watch the actors who have maybe just been you know, singing along to a MIDI track or have just had a piano vocal accompaniment, like hear the drums and hear the bass and hear the guitar and hear like the fully realized version of the song. And they're like singing it and they're jumping up and down being like, yo, this is so good. Or like this part hits so hard now that like everybody's in like that. Oh man, that really, that really like makes my heart sing. It's so fun. I love that. Yes. Well, this is a perfect lead into my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Absolutely, my favorite theater memory has to be 
my first theater show in college because I was 18 years old. I didn't do so well in high school, like socially or whatever. And I remember I was, I was not involved in like lead up to it, but I, I was like, I know some stuff about sound because I played in the band or whatever. So I was like, well, I'll be on sound crew. Like I know kind of my way around a mixer and I could help on that side of things. Maybe I can meet some people and make some friends or whatever. And then I remember it was like my freshman year, which is God, it was like 12 years ago. Freshman year, you're in town loading and the scope and scale of the student theater group Scotch and Soda at Carnegie Mellon is insane. These people are weird as an organization, like everybody in it is just like so down to be like, yeah, we start loading at noon and we're done when we're done. And if that's four in the morning, it's four in the morning. And we're bringing like this massive, like 14 foot set. I'm like, where are the adults? There's no adults here. It's just students. It's just kids. And it was like this intoxicating thing of like, yeah, like 50, 60 people are all just like, we're all just doing this. We're not getting class credit for this. We're not getting anything out of it. We all just like are a part of the process because we want to be a part of this team. And it was this like sense of community and bewilderment. And I remember like, I still had homework to do. And I was like, oh, Loden will probably take an hour or two or something. Cause I just had no idea what to expect. And it was four in the morning. And I remember like taking a shower being like, I guess I'm pulling an all nighter and being like, that was the best. I can't wait to go back for the rest of tech week. So that like sense of community for the first time, especially as like a kid who had a really hard time in high school, like finding that for the first time is like an indelible theater memory for me. I love that. Yes, 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 yes. Annie, what about you? I have so many little fun ones, little moments, but it's probably just because I have dead boyfriends on the mind. <laughs> but it was bringing me back to I think one of my favorite like moments in the history of the show and times that I've really ever put up a show was when we took it first to Chicago. For it's like we were part of this festival, which sadly no longer exists, but it was called the Premier Premiers musical theater festival and I had just happened to see this opportunity like posted on playwright center applied on a whim because you know you apply to anything you can you're like oh I have a I have a musical let's go and we got in and kind of like Alex was just saying with the you know like where are the adults it was like I don't fucking know how to produce a, a show in Pittsburgh and then drive it to Chicago with a bunch of college students and put it up in a little storefront theater and then like if we win maybe have a run of it I don't know how to do this but we just sort of you know we're like we believe we can we're going to mooch resources from our school and beg borrow and steal and fundraise and do kickstarters and just somehow somehow we managed it and one of my favorite sort of moments was just clearly the shock of like we didn't know what we were getting into because I don't know if you know Chicago theater scene very much I love it but it's a very like improv world and we came with our like CMU conservatory drama students who were very rehearsed and musical theatery. And we also had rehearsed it like we were so tight and sharp and like being insane about it. And we got there and everyone else was like, this is scrappy. This is fun. This is casual. <laughs> in some ways, I feel kind of bad, bad because we sort of blew them out of the water in the competition. They were like, what are you doing with your crazy professional caliber nonsense here in storefront theater lands? And when we ended up winning the festival, it was like, just all these crazy college students celebrating, cheering, probably drinking too much booze and getting lost in Chicago. It was a lovely time. Yeah. It's the weekend that I fell in love with Malort. Shout out yeah. Malort. <laughs> I love 
all of that. Yes. Thank you both for sharing those memories. That's amazing. Are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Sure. So I can jump in first. Obviously, uh, come to the Trouble with Dead Boyfriends. That's my whole life right now, for sure. Upcoming this fall, I have a I have a band that I play in in New York City called Good Thoughts. I write the songs and and I'm kind of like the band leader for that. We are going to be soon. I don't know when this podcast comes out. I hope I'm not blowing the lid on it, but we're going to be announcing a little Northeast tour with some dates in August and September. And we'll have an EP coming out hopefully this fall, maybe early next year. So definitely check that out when it comes through. But otherwise, I've got a few other theater projects in development, but we'll we'll see which one's next after The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends. Yeah, kind of similar to Alex. This is very much my whole life right now. <laughs> but I have a few other, Alex and I are both members of like the DMI workshop. And in addition to doing musicals, I will sometimes write straight plays, do more devised kind of adaptive work with kind of a puppeteer collaborator. We're currently working on this show called Kiss and Cry, which is the name of the place where in figure skating you go to re- receive your scores. And it's a very bizarre show that is about figure skating and also about Russia and propaganda and the destruction of young girls' bodies. But it's a comedy, a dark comedy, like most of my works. But so that shows in development. I have a few other like more nascent scripts that I'm working on, but that's kind of the one I'm excited to put more effort towards once I have like a brain again, post Trouble with Dead Boyfriend. I love it. Well, my final question for both of you is if our listeners want more information about the Trouble with Dead Boyfriends or about either of you, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? So for the show, you can find us at deadboyfriendsmusical.com. And there aren't a lot of things that come up when you Google the trouble with dead boyfriends besides us. So that's good. Easy way to find us. If folks want to follow along with, with my work, they can follow me on at alex.petty on Instagram. And alexpetty.com has all the details about this show, as well as, you know, my band and some of my other upcoming projects. I was going to plug our website as well. We also have a Trouble with Dead Boyfriends Instagram, which is TWD at TWDB official. I have a website called pulsiferplays.com, though it is under revision because I'm not great at formatting. I need to get better at using my website. But you can follow me on my Instagram, which is Annie B. Pulse. And I would love to hear from people. Feel free to reach out. Annie, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and speak with me today. This has been amazing. The show sounds incredible. I cannot wait to see it. So thank you both for taking the time to speak with me. Of course, we can't wait to to have you there. Yeah, and if any of your listeners come out to the show, Annie and I are going to be there every night. So come say hey, tell us, you know, tell us where you heard, where you heard about the show and like, (laughs) we would love to chat about it. Absolutely. My guests today have been the book writer and co-lyricist Annie Pulsifer and the co-lyricist and composer Alex Petty, whose new show, The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends, is playing June 15th through July 16th at the Players Theater. It's on the Thursday through Sunday schedule, and we'll have the exact times posted on our social media and on our episode description. But for now, you can get your tickets and more information by visiting deadboyfriendsmusical.com or playerstheater.com. We also have some contact information for both of our guests and their show, which we'll be posting as well in our episode description and social media. 
In the meantime, head on over to deadboyfriendsmusical.com and get your tickets. We're going to be announcing soon when we'll be attending, so we'll make it a stage whisper night at the theater. You can come on out, join us. We'll make a night of it. It's going to be a blast. This is the perfect summer show to see, so make sure you see The Trouble with Dead Boyfriends June 15th through July 16th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.